thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 67. Ah, wherefore with infection should he live, and with his presence grace impiety, that sin by him advantage should achieve and lace itself with his society? Why should false painting imitate his cheek, and steel dead seeing of his living hue? Why should poor beauty indirectly seek roses of shadow, since his rose is true? Why should he live, now nature bankrupt is, beggared of blood to blush through lively veins? For she hath no exchequer now but his, and, proud of many, lives upon his gains. Oh, him she stores to show what wealth she had in days long since, before these last so bad. That was Sonnet 67. I'm getting nods. That wasn't that. Um, uh, Sonnet 67 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I am Mark Chasley, and I am joined by a very impressed... Thierry Hillis. That that was a very, very good reading. That, wow. Thank you. I, 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 I got to the last sort of three lines and there was a little bit in my head going, you haven't made a mistake. You haven't made a mistake. And it's very, very hard then to carry on reading. It's very, very odd. Um, <coughs> not, yeah, just cough through my introduction. That's, that's, that's what I'm here for. What, what did you think of, of Sonnet 67 then? We'll start just, with you. It's, it's one of those weird sentences in the wrong order kind of thing again. Why should he live now? Nature bankrupt is it just just, just <laughs> Shakespeare forcing rhymes that mm. aren't there, and it's the kind of thing you could not get away with in modern poetry. No. It just wouldn't be allowed. No, but then in modern poetry, you, it wouldn't have to rhyme. <laughs> Damn us, modern free verse poets! Do you, do you think that's laziness on our part? I don't know. There's there's still other bits that count. It's not just prose with line breaks. Some some I mean, of it is. Some of it is, but then <laughs> that doesn't tend to be the good ones. <laughs> uh, I'm just every every poet listening is going, You evil no Of course it doesn't have to rhyme. Uh, and it also doesn't have to be centered on a page just for any budding poets. Oh out no, there. I I hate just people who center poems just for just doing it for centering sake. I that think... didn't make just I think it's because when we're little, a lot of children's poetry, for some reason, is presented in the middle of the page. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's to give it a very distinct look from text, so they know it's not text, as in, as in flowing text. But, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. But a lot of people think poems have to be centre-aligned. Just, uh, no... No, don't, don't do it. If you're listening and you're trying to get into writing poetry... Don't put them in the centre of the page. Unless I... there is a very specific reason why you're doing it. And it has to be a damn fine reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Unless like... we will track you down. <laughs> Us too. Me and Thierry will track you down. We will rest with you to the ground, make you put in your password for your computer, because you will have a password for your computer, uh, and then we will... And if you don't, that's just more punishment. Exactly. We were left justify all your poetry. We're fully justify all the poetry. God, if anyone fully justifies their poetry, I hate you so much. I don't think anyone is stupid enough to justify their poetry. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, yes, Sonnet Sonnet 67, it has some forced forced rhymes in it, some some weird turns of phrase. 
I think that is the worst, though, isn't it? Why should he live now nature bankrupt is? Yeah, I think that's the worst one. That's the one that stuck out to me. But I, I, I forgive it almost for the next line, which is beggared of blood to blush through veins, through lively veins. It's, it's an awesome line to say, beggared of blood to blush through lively veins. We have a, we have a beautiful alliteration there, Mark. We do. And, uh, <laughs> we mentioned it finally. There is alliteration of of B. And 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 yes, a- anyone who has studied uh, Seamus freaking Heaney, he's he's another poet. I'm sure if I actually sat down and and read his poems properly, I would he, like. He, I mean, he has some good ones. But all you get taught about him in secondary school is he uses alliteration and onomatopoeia very much. He does, but yeah, I mean, I quite like. I only read a few of his uh, poems in school, but I quite like them. If my 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 memory of school is all his poems go the sod that I trod in the field with plods and I rod. Yeah, and that's, yeah that's that's my image of his all of his poetry with a Northern Irish accent. I don't know if that's right, but for some reason my head's got a Northern Irish accent. Sorry for the jangling, by the way. This is me drinking a drink with lots of ice in it. It's just Mark having his daily coffee. <laughs> it really is. I I I now that I I've learned to force cold coffee down. It's it's. It's good. It keeps me awake. And it stopped me buying cherry coke, which is awesome. Please, yes, sugar. Cherry Coke, sponsor us. <laughs> I would love you to. Cherry Coke and, and pizza. Some Someone who makes pizza, that would be happy. If it's good pizza. It doesn't have to be good. All pizza's good pizza. There is no bad. Mm. There's, there's good pizza and there's less good pizza. But there's not bad pizza. That doesn't exist. I've tried. I've tried to put bizarre <laughs> toppings onto pizza. There is no such thing as a bad pizza. Well, I wasn't thinking so much about the toppings. I was thinking more about the uh, the dough. Uh, d- some truly bad dough. If anyone eats deep pan pizza out there, you're wrong. It's almost as bad as center justifying a poem. That's how wrong it is. <laughs> pizza should be thin and crispy. That's the rule. Wow. <laughs> I have they, these rules exist. People don't know them. It's the modern version of <laughs> etiquette. It's it's not a rule if no one knows it. Of course it is. It's just a modern version of etiquette. People obviously haven't been to the Mark Finishing School, <laughs> where where you learn about these things. Do not eat deep pan pizza. That's wrong. <laughs> it all makes sense. Oh. Let's 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 go back to the sonnet. <laughs> um, we we should we haven't even. It's a good sonnet, and we haven't even spoken about it yet. What, what does it mean? I, I'm I, gonna... I quite. I, it, it's just. I think he's talking about makeup, for a bit at least, and just just how people trying to look like the youth, and it's just a failure from the start. And it's like why should false painting imitate his cheek and steal dead seeming of his living hue, which to me is just Ooh. powdering their noses kind of thing. So they people they are... trying to look beautiful, but they can never really get to the ideal that is the fair youth. Yes, I quite like that idea. So the idea that they are painting themselves to make themselves look beautiful, which by definition, because the fair youth is beauty, is, is, it means they try to look like him, and then they can never make it. I like that. That's a lovely idea. That everyone out there tries to look like you and fails. Oh, that's really good. Way to go, Shakespeare. Good. <laughs> I, I was good on you, Bill. Good on you, Bill Shaky. He's good. I, I was kind of getting a feeling of, of hinting back to... We had that section where the fair youth 
did something wrong. And there seems to be hints at, at that in this. Uh, wherefore, with infection should he live, and with his presence, grace, impiety, that sin by him advantage should achieve. Uh, I. It seemed to me, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, that that there was a kind of callback to him doing something wrong, or him being wrong, or being in trouble somehow. It's only very slight, um, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Because we've got the, the, the legal ease language started to come in at the end of it again, that, which was around uh, at that same time, the, the exchequer and gains. And, and I don't know, maybe that is a stretch too far, but, but it seemed to be, to me, that there was a, a hint of, of him having done something bad creeping back in. Which might be might be something that that carries on. I hope it is because I like it when when Shakespeare gets into those moral dilemmas of of I love you but you are doing things wrong, but, which I don't think I can forgive, but I want to forgive you. Then it's when it starts getting really interesting. Yeah, there is still that. Yeah, I agree with that. There is still this underlying. I'm not even sure. Just just doubt. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's it. There's a doubt in this. Not not around his beauty. But around his character, maybe, would be a way of putting it. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Ill. I mean, he's, he's he's fairly clear that the beauty is perfection. Yes. Which is again, is interesting because we haven't, and, and Shakespeare hasn't addressed the fact that that the the old the old fashioned saying that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Shakespeare doesn't seem to address that. The the fair youth just seems to be beauty. He is like the the central point that everyone will agree on as beauty. But if if Shakespeare did say beauty is in the eye of the beholder in the context of this, he would basically be admitting that the fair youth isn't actually as beautiful as he's making him out to be. Yes, I suppose. Which is his his whole endeavor is is proving that the fair youth is the most beautiful being. And if you say, oh, it's just the way I see you, then it's just going, rationally, I know that you're quite ugly. <laughs> but my heart is saying you're very, very pretty. Yes. Which, which then, why would anyone try to imitate him with makeup? And, and why would people strive to be like him? But to, to hold that position, you have to have one of two views, I guess, which is either your heart and your vision somehow sees true beauty that is universal or and i guess the one that shakespeare's gone with which is you are beauty personified that there is no one alive who could disagree that you are the epitome of beauty and we we've had him comparing uh the fair youth to to venus and to um to 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 helena um and and people like that and and they pale in comparison to beauty so so the fair youth is more beautiful than venus who is the the god of feminine beauty so that yeah i suppose shakespeare's dealt with it in the way i've i've just convinced i've just sorted my own my own question now haven't i but it's pretty much solved that issue by saying you are the most ideal you are the universal beauty on the outside on the outside, yes. On the because he never, he never really, he never really says that he has a, the perfect character. And in fact, when we have spoken about the youth's character, it's been bad. 
Yes. Because he's, he's run off and, and he slept with another girl that Shakespeare liked and <laughs> other narrator liked. And it's it just, it's, it's always the, the look, the physical looks that, um, that convince Shakespeare to, to forgive him. And yeah, which is, I, again, I think we've mentioned this before, an incredibly shallow viewpoint. Yeah. But then maybe he's just horny. <laughs> that 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 brain fog that comes on in people when you're horny it's that just, just you can the beer goggles and yeah that's very odd i i still find that i think i've spoken to you before off air about how how fascinating i find these emotions and how they change our perception <laughs> these emotions no, not, not emotions in general i'm not i'm not a vulcan but how they change perception how a decision that you would never contemplate making while perfectly level-headed if you happen to be horny for a particular reason it's very hard then to see the decision in the same light and and you actually can end up making decisions based upon something that isn't true and i'm not i'm not saying this as a way of forgiving people who cheat but what i am saying is it's not always in a malicious action and this is probably going to get me hate mail, but I don't think it is always a malicious action. It's not a, I want to hurt you, so I'm sleeping with someone else. It's a decision that can sometimes be taken at a moment of what we would call weakness, but isn't actually weakness. It's just your brain being in a different state. And you still go through a thought process. It's not an unthinking action. But the outside influence of this emotion or, or this feeling changes the way your brain works. Does that make any sense? Am I making myself clear? It kind of does, but then if you are in a say you are in a relationship and you, you do sleep with someone else, if that's the scenario you're going with, just because you are horny in that moment and then you sleep with someone, that still me that still implies that your love for the other person isn't greater than your momentary horniness. Which I think is what ultimately hurts the other person. I can I can see that viewpoint. I'm just not convinced those two things are in direct opposition. I I, I don't know. Maybe this is a mentality. Well, I don't believe. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying you can't love someone and and still want to sleep with someone else. But if you do it, then that still means that you don't value the love enough. Yeah, for to it to override something yeah. else. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't me trying to work through an affair I'm having, just in case my other half is listening to this. It's, it's just a, it's a subject area I find fascinating. And the same applies when you're when you're drunk or when you're high or when you are incredibly happy or when you're incredibly sad. These these different emotions in different states have an effect on your thought processes, and and that change is what I find fascinating. Even even to hungriness and stuff like that. If you are incredibly hungry and you go shopping. I mean, everyone must have done that. Most random crap, yeah. You do Uh, things that you would never ever want to eat when you're not hungry are suddenly the most appetizing things in the world, and and you end up with bizarre stuff. And I find that process incredibly interesting. And I don't know how you can study it because how do you get a load? Well, you could study the hunger one easily. You just get people and lock them in a room until they're hungry, and then get them to go shopping. But the horny one's slightly harder, and the the drunken one's slightly. There are ethical issues around it, I guess. But I find that I find that interesting, and it links back into the the sonnets because 
what the fair youth did wasn't intended to hurt Shakespeare. Well, it, it was specifically what Shakespeare told him to do the entire time. Yes. Go and procreate. Yes, exactly Just, that. He, he never actually says whether the fair youth knew that Shakespeare liked that girl or the narrator liked that girl. He, he no. always just says, you slept with this girl that I quite fancy. Yeah, after the fact. After the fact. Yeah. So Which, I mean, I get that. You, you, can, you can have your friend sleep with someone that you like and your friend doesn't know, which it still sucks. You, you still feel shit and you kind of hate your friend, but then you just go, yeah, but they didn't. I never really made any allusion to the fact that I liked that girl, so he didn't really... Yeah. He didn't make a mistake in that sort of sense. Do you see that as a mistake? That's the, the what's been renamed recently the bro code, isn't it? That the you don't sleep with someone's ex, you don't sleep with someone who your friend fancies. Is that I, I guess in my head maybe it's my very pragmatic nature. I don't see that as a huge I I just I, I can see why it would upset me, but I don't see it as a... I don't understand why my feelings for someone should stop your feelings for someone being acted upon. That's that... Oh that's that, have you, Are you watching How I Met Your Mother? Because they have that question in there as well. Never, never watch they that. Have, they have the best friend marrying the main character's ex-girlfriend. And it just... I guess it depends on the level of relationship. Okay. If If, if one of my friends just... just slept with one of my ex-girlfriends i just go what why why did that i mean there's loads of girls out there why did you specifically but i mean if they fall in love yeah it's it's, just it's interesting all of these these codes that add up to things that young people get very upset over when in my head they're incredibly trivial things to get upset over and they're much bigger things to be upset over and and it's almost oh conspiracy. It's almost like these issues are being seeded in in young people to stop them getting angry about things they should actually be angry about. Yeah, but then I mean I get it. If I guess the scenario where I would be upset is if, if one of my friends slept with a girl that I like and they knew that I liked her. In that case, I would just go, "Well, you're a shit friend. Why?" Unless they would start going out on dates and it would still feel like shit, but then I could go, yeah, okay, maybe they... See, I, I guess where I'm coming from is if you had no, made no advances on that girl and, and weren't intending to, then I wouldn't see a problem. If if you had been... Wherever it starts getting upsetting for me is if I made an approach on someone and they turned me down and the reason they said is they don't want to be in a relationship right now and then the next day they started going out with my best friend. That would upset me. But that's more being upset that I was lied to. I don't know, mate. I'm I just I, my head works differently, I think, in some of these situations than most people's. I don't I just maybe because I just I'm seeing it from the other perspective as well. If one of my friends says, I like that girl, I'm just going to go, I'm not even going to go near there. They're, they're just, even if I find her ridiculously attractive, I'd just go, just, just and, and thus, not, not no... somewhere I want to be as the friend. I, I don't want yeah. to be the guy who, who sleeps with a girl someone else fancies. He just, and thus no, well, no, if, common if man, friends with him. no common man can ever sleep with someone who's famous then. Because always one of your friends is going to, like someone else. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if 
Fair enough. No one is ever allowed to sleep with Mila Kunis because I quite fight her. I find her quite attractive, <laughs> but that's not. <laughs> that's not quite how it works. I that's not. I, I, I meant as an actual. There's a possibility. Uh, uh, what, what's a girl's name? I don't know. Zena. There's there's girl <laughs> Zena that I just. That was like the first. I don't even that's know. That's amazing. Like, the, the, just, just have that girl, and it, I'm friends with her. I we hang out, whatever, and my friend as well. And I tell my friend I quite like her, and then my friend goes and sleeps with her. It you you would have to actually know the person. It, it can't just be Carrie Mulligan or Mila Kunis or okay. Ryan Gosling. Just there needs to be a a relationship. There needs to be an there. actual sort of yeah immediacy to it. A, a person in your life rather than. To just just someone you stare at in Playboy kind of thing. <laughs> Does Playboy still exist? I probably you can probably get it digitally now. <laughs> oh, um, it's interesting, I think, and and I, I guess those are some of the the situations that Shakespeare was exploring with the sonnets, and and the fact that we are well past that point in the sonnets that happened in the the thirties and the forties, I think. In fact. Yeah, made thirties and forties, and we're nearly into the seventies, and we're still talking about the impact of of that kind of thinking and the the sonnets and how Shakespeare put it, and and what we feel. I think is a testament to the fact that Shakespeare was writing about something that was very normal, very uh, everyone could relate to. Probably even at that time, everyone could relate to. I think it just shows the power of of his writing and and the way he was able to express these these situations whereas me and you have just rambled on for 10 minutes about it he sorted that out and came to a conclusion in 14 lines which is... yeah well then he, he didn't write the 14 lines in 10 minutes he, yeah. he probably went back and forth and then rewrote them and i hope so that's another thing if you're out there writing poetry and the first thing that comes out of your head onto paper is the poem that's not poetry I never, I, I mean, I had people like that in my year who just wrote a poem and just chucked it out and then they suddenly go it's it's good, and it's go. Oh yeah, it's, it's just the first draft. And it's like, why why didn't you rework it? I mean, just just I don't. Yeah. The first draft is never. A, I mean, it can be good and there can be interesting ideas, but the first draft is never publishable. They're just no. And it's probably conflicting ideas, and you need to distill it down and boil it out, and and yeah. If if that's how you're writing poetry, you're not writing poetry right. That's that's or, or any writing or any writing even even, even prose writing. If you if you write your first draft and you just click submit or you whatever you do with it, just no. Even Shakespeare didn't do that, no. and he was the best British writer of all time, apart from Dan Brown, who's uh, American <laughs> but still English <laughs> language. I mean, we've claimed him for our own. That's how good he is. We've repatriated him. Robert Langdon for the win. <laughs> Andy McNabb, all those people. We want them <laughs> just, back. Just... No, we don't. Uh, anyway, would you like to, to read us out? This, it's a very good poem to, to read, and, and let's see if you can do it without making any mistakes. Oh, you've, you've raised the bar, Mark. I would, I'm very impressed with myself, I have to say. There's people outside my door. <laughs> you don't want to sing a, read a Shakespeare sonnet when they can hear you. Sing a song. Sing a song. Sing sonnet a song 67. of sonnets. <laughs> Go on, you'll be fine. Sonnet. Shoo, 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 shoo. Wait. Oh, God. I really need to start using a website that doesn't have Roman numerals at yeah, the top. It's, we're nowhere near 62 anymore. 
You laughed at me when I got the number wrong. Yeah. Sonnet 67. Ah, wherefore with infection should he live, and with his presence grace in piety, that sin by him advantage should achieve, and lace itself with his society? Why should false painting imitate his cheek, and steal that seeming of his living hue? Why should poor beauty indirectly seek roses of shadow, since his rose is true? Why should he live, now nature bankrupt is, beggared of blood to blush through lively veins? For she hath no exchequer, now but his, and proud of many lives upon his gate. No, do, do, do. no, not lives. Oh, no. Almost. Almost. <laughs> For she hath no exchequer, now but his, and proud of many, lives upon his gains. Oh, him she stores to show what wealth she had in days long gone. No, long, 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 do, do. <laughs> <laughs> you stumble once. And it that's just... it. In days long since, before these last so bad. Perfect. That was that was Sonnet 67 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I've been Mark Chatterley, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nuffkin or at In Ear Ent. And I've been Thierry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagull. And we shall see you again next time for Sonnet 68. Um, I will make Thierry put a note down saying it's 68, and we shall see you next time. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an In-Ear Entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about In-Ear Entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.